Amen. One of the things we learned early on is that playing with fire is a bad idea. Everybody ever get burned or have uh, an accident with fire? I think that counts. <laughs> you can look on the internet and see all sorts of videos about poor souls who uh, weren't quite careful enough. Uh, I saw more than one about some guy uh, trying to get his grill going and he's got a gas can and he pours lawnmower gas and of course the fire runs up the stream of gas and suddenly the gas can's on fire and he throws it down and catches the bush on fire and, and half of his property. Playing with fire is a bad idea. Our scripture this morning is going to be from Leviticus 9 beginning in verse 18, but to give you some background before we get into that, the tabernacle worship is just getting started. We see in chapter 9 of Leviticus that they had just completed the ordination of this tabernacle that God had instructed Moses to build. They had the bronze altar, they had the holy place, and the holy of holiest place within with the Ark of the Covenant, and they had the uh, showbread table for the uh, loaves of bread and the incense table and all the holy furnishings and all of these beautiful artifacts for God's service had been created. The wonderful garments that the priests wore had all been fashioned, and now over a course of seven days the, the priests had been ordained, and now we were finally ready to kick off the offering of sacrifices in this brand spanking new tabernacle. And God has promised to Moses and Aaron, if you do this right, then I am going to be in the midst of your worship. And that's where they were. So picking up in chapter 9 of Leviticus, and starting in verse 18, as they are bringing the sacrifices for the priests and the people, it says, Then he killed the ox and the ram and the sacrifice of peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail, and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breast and burned the fat pieces on the altar, but the breast and the right thigh Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings, and Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. 
and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Let's pray. Father, Lord in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would just bless the word that you've given us this morning. Lord, we know that you are a consuming fire. Father, Lord, that you seek to cleanse us with the fire of the Holy Spirit to make us free of all the dross and sins and just to purify these things from us. But Lord, we understand at the same time that your fire is a fire of judgment against all iniquity and wickedness. I pray, Lord, that we would not be guilty of playing with the fire of your holiness, but, Lord, that we would exalt you in righteousness and serve you, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, just bless us in this hour of worship, Lord, and sanctify us together that we might hear, receive your word. Father, lift you up as holy. Lord, do indeed instruct us with your spirit, we thank you and we love you. In the holy and the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Playing with fire. Our scripture, as we'll see on the next slide, shows uh, that there are going to be three types of fire. There's sanctifying fire. There's what the Bible calls strange fire or unauthorized fire. And finally, there's the scourging fire. All three types of fire having to do with God are found in this scripture. Let's look at, first of all, the sanctifying fire. Now, throughout the ages, fire has been used as a way to purify things. When you're smelting uh, silver ore, for example. The common method was to heat the ore up in a fire, and as the fire is burning, it burns up the dross and the, the contaminants, the lead and tin and the other impurities that are in the ore, and it leaves behind, when it's done correctly, purified silver. And that's how silver was extracted. So a sanctifying or a purifying fire was what God had in mind the whole time. He wanted his people to be pure before him. He wanted to cleanse us of all iniquities to bring us together in a pure worship of God. And this picture goes throughout the Bible. It begins in the Old Testament and it goes all the way through the New Testament. And as you read in, here in Leviticus, you'll see that there was a specific order that all of these sacrifices were presented in. Now, now this, the uh, book of Leviticus is not a thing you read for light reading, but to boil it all down, there were a few different types of sacrifices to bring, and they were brought in a certain order. First of all, they were instructed to bring a sin offering, and the sin offering is what you would think it was, a, it was uh, for a propitiation or it was to make atonement for sin. 
this particular sacrifice was pretty much uh, burned up for the most part. And then after that was presented a, what we call a burnt offering, and that whole offering was burned up. And the fire on the altar, it contained what you would call the holy or the sanctifying fire. In other words, they, this fire was to be left burning all the time. They never were to let it go out. This was the fire that the people's sacrifices were placed on, and there they were burned. Leviticus 6 and 13 says, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Now, when this was done correctly, God showed his favor. And this is what happened in the end of chapter 9. They had their ordination, their dedication sacrifices. The priests were ready. The people were told, now bring your sacrifices, your sin offering, your uh, burnt offering, and then finally a peace offering that represented fellowship with God. If you got to the peace offering, that was one the people actually partook of themselves. And it indicated, hey, we have a relationship with God. We are at peace with God. And this is where God was trying to get everybody. To show his approval, holy fire came out from the Lord and burned up the sacrifices that they had offered. And it showed, hey, God is pleased. He has sent his holy and purifying fire. He has pleased Israel with your sacrifices. He has pleased Israel with your heart that you have brought these blood offerings to the Lord to show that there is no remission of sin without blood. And they were, in all of this, fulfilling the type and pointing the way toward Jesus who would be the ultimate sacrifice. But the same fire that's a sign of God's approval and the power of His Holy Spirit also can bring judgment. Now this picture of the sanctifying fire of God also extends into the New Testament. And if we look, we'll see, if you flip to the New Testament, you see John the Baptist, and he was preaching in Matthew 3. Now, now John was an interesting character. John was sort of a bridge character, from the Old Testament, the, the prophets of old, he was the last great prophet. His job was to say, looky over there, there's Jesus. So he got to kind of glue together the Old and the New Testament and point the way to Jesus. And it was interesting, the language that John the Baptist used is also contains the same three types of fire that we already looked at. He said, Jesus... He said, Jesus is coming. Now, I got here first to point the way, but Jesus is so much greater than me. I am not even worthy to untie his shoelaces, and this Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That indwelling Holy Spirit that we received beginning with Pentecost is the sanctifying fire that is fulfilled in full. And speaking of Pentecost, 
Just like John predicted and just like Jesus promised when he said, wait for power, to, wait to be clothed with power on high. I'm going, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he is going to come and to give you strength and instruct you in all things. And sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus was resurrected, the Holy Spirit arrived. And you read over in the book of Acts where it appeared in the form of tongues of fire and it sat upon the believers, indicating here is the purifying and the sanctifying fire of God, church. It is to live and to dwell within you. So it is a consistent principle that goes all the way from the Old Testament. The type and shadow of the tabernacle and the temple with the bronze altar and the sacrifices that were to be placed on it and to be consumed as burnt offerings and this sacrifice uh, being fulfilled in Jesus since no goat, no ox or sheep can really and truly get sin done away with, but Jesus standing in for you and standing in for me brought us redemption by his sacrifice. So it all ties together. The picture of sacrifice fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The sanctifying fire of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you that fire that lives and dwells inside of every Christian who has received Jesus as their personal Savior, it will burn away the dross. It will burn away the impurities if you listen to it. Because God does not want that stuff in your life. God is trying to get us into a purified state. I've heard it said that the way you tell that the silver ore has finally been purified is when everything else burns away, you have a reflective pool of pure silver, and if you look at it, you see your reflection. When God has done his work through the Holy Spirit in us, he looks at us and he sees a reflection of himself. And then he says, we're done. This is what I'm getting at. This is what I want. And that's what the sanctifying, purifying fire of God is all about through the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. Now, the point of the temple worship and the believer's life is to draw near to God. Just like God promised Aaron and Moses if you do this right, I'm going to appear to you. I'm going to show my favor. Hebrews 10, verse 21 through 22. Now Hebrews kind of does what John the Baptist did, and it kind of glues together the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hebrews shows us what these types and symbols of the sacrifices in the temple, what all of that was really communicating to us is Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, drawing us into God, making us a temple of the Holy Spirit, instead of having to go uh, limited to once a year 
the high priest going into the holy of holiest places. Now the Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us. He says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That is how it's supposed to work. That is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus is the only true, truly worthy high priest. The high priest occupied a position of intercession standing between sinful man on one hand and the righteous and all-powerful God on the other. Now, Aaron couldn't quite be the perfect high priest because he was a sinner, just like you and me. That's why he and his sons had to bring sacrifices for themselves before they could even get in the game. But Jesus, being perfect, having not known sin, he became sin in our place. That's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to let the sanctifying Spirit of God dwell in us. But too often, church, we do what Nadab and Abihu did, and we find ourselves playing with fire. I don't recommend more of the crazy videos I saw that made me shudder. People would take a drink of a high alcohol content beverage, take a lighter, and poof, and light, light up. And half the time you'd see them writhing in agony as their whole face went up in flame. That's stupid. What's even more dumb than that is not sanctifying a holy God in our life. What is so idiotic is we play with fire when we neglect to serve a mighty God. When we say, I can get to God my own way. When we say, well, I can just do what I wish. I can serve God this way. Well, I know God has said this, but I'm going to do the other. We're playing with fire. And it's going to catch up with you folks because let me tell you today, God is a holy God. God demands reverence. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is what? the fear, the respect of the Lord. If you don't have that, you aren't even getting started. We must respect God as we would treat a powerful fire, as we would treat electricity. Yes, in its proper place and used properly, electricity or fire are good things. They heat our homes, they light, or houses at night, but you take shortcuts, you grab a hold to it without making sure you flip the breaker first, and you're going to have an unpleasant experience. I've had a close call or two myself. Let me tell you, it does not pay to be playing with fire.
That's how it's supposed to work, but we've kind of screwed things up. And now we look at the second thing, which is what the Bible calls strange fire or unauthorized fire. What on earth is strange fire? Strange fire can be defined as a willful worship that insists on our own way of doing things instead of God's, like that funny little fire guy there. That strange fire. Oh, it's hot. It looks like the real thing, but it's not. Approaching God with our own form of worship is a bad business. Nadab and Abihu, they were all probably giddy from going through their ordination and here they were in a position of power to serve God and the holy fire of God came out and, devoured, and, and devoured the sacrifices and they said, oh, oh, let's get some incense and light it and we'll even create an atmosphere. You see, even back then there were folks who liked the smoke in the mirrors. Maybe they thought the clouds of incense would give a more holy uh, feel to things and liven it up. But whatever their intention, it was not what God had commanded, and it was strange fire. When we don't follow God's word, when we think we're serving him, when we think this is what God wants, but it is not in his will, it's strange fire. And God is not going to be pleased with our willful worship that satisfies ourselves. Strange fire. Then I could have argued, you know, hey, isn't fire fire? And, you know, so what if we deviate a little bit? Now, y'all please don't get the idea that I'm saying if we don't follow the bulletin order uh, uh, rote by rote by rote, if we deviate and have prayer this time instead of a song here, that that's, that's a sin. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we deviate from what God has revealed to us and we begin to teach doctrines that are not in the Bible, when we begin to be more interested in pleasing man and creating, uh, you know, we don't want to challenge people when they come to church. Uh, we don't want to upset anybody. Uh, we don't want to call them sinners because they, they might not come back if we do that. It's strange fire. And God is not going to put up with it. Why is God so picky? It's because he has one way for us to do things, and that's the right way. Now, next, what Nadab and Abihu offered might have seemed like it was all right. So what's wrong with if we go on the side and light some of the incense? Or what's wrong if we teach something that's a little bit more modern sounding and not as strict as these old-fashioned uh, scriptures? Uh, have we really got to talk about the blood of Jesus? Uh, have we really got to insist that Jesus really and truly rose from the dead? Uh, have we really got to say that there is only one way to heaven through Christ? Uh, uh, can't we be a little bit more inclusive? Uh, can't we be a little bit more welcoming? Uh, well, we can do that. But we're playing with strange fire. God didn't command it. God didn't ordain it. 
there is not any truth but what is contained in the will and the word of God, we best not deviate from it, we best not teach it, we best not condone it. Oh, there's a way that seems right to man, Proverbs tells us, but it ends in death. Paul warned in Colossians that humanistic precepts and teachings, he said they would do things like add extra commandments and, and say, oh, don't touch this, don't handle that, you know. And, and these were not things that God had commanded, but it sounded good. Let's make up some rules and we'll follow these rules and we'll give us a, 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 some check boxes to, to check. And we'll do that. Oh, it's so easy when we make up these rules. Uh, God didn't say this, but, you know, we're doing it. It has indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, but he goes on to say they are of no value. When we begin to teach the Word of God, instead of we teach it, but what we're really teaching are the commandments of men, then we're playing with strange fire. God didn't give them the instructions at this time for how to burn the incense. That would come later. But they deviated and went their own way. Today, strange fire is anything that says that we can approach Christ without the cross when it substitutes an emotion, uh, an emotional experience and self-glorification instead of the true Word of God, then we're in trouble. There is some hint. If you look a little further in chapter 10, verse 9, God gave Moses a warning about priests being inebriated in their service, that they shouldn't do that. Now, it doesn't specifically say that Nadab and Abihu uh, did that, but it is possible that that might have been one of the contributing factors that led to their indiscretion. But whatever the case, when we begin playing with strange fire of humanistic teachings and self self-religion, then we're going to invite the third type of fire, which is the scourging fire. This is not one that we want, the scourging fire. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 29, God is a consuming fire. A fellow I worked with on the base, his name was Mr. Fowler. He was in charge of all the uh, high-voltage electrical grid on the base. I went in his office one time, and he said, let me show you something. And he pulled out a pair of these massive gloves, very thick. He said, these are what we use when we have to work on high-voltage electrical lines, and we can't cut the power. These are super-duperty insulated gloves. And he said, you know how we test them to make sure that they're uh, good. I said, well, how? He says, you fill them full of water. He says, uh, I said, water, why do you do that? 
He said, well, if you have even a smallest pinprick in this glove, you'll see the water drip out. He says, if that happens, you take these gloves and you throw them in the trash because that little hole is enough to get you killed if you grab a hook to a high-voltage line thinking that these gloves are insulating you, but you have that little bitty void there is enough for the electricity to get in, and it'll blow you nine ways dead. Oh, we might think it's just a little itty-bitty hole that we're puncturing in God's Word, maybe to let our favorite sin come through. Oh, but when you grab hold of that power wire, guess what's going to happen? The scourging fire. We look next, we, can, we see what happened to Nadab and Abihu. They offered the strange fire. And suddenly something terrible happened. The very same fire, the holy fire of God, that had consumed the burnt offering and demonstrated that God was pleased with their service so far, that God had accepted their offering, that very same sanctifying fire suddenly became a scourging fire, and it leapt out of the altar, and it burned Nadab and Abihu to a crisp. It's so horrible to even imagine. Because they offered strange fire to God. The Bible tells us that this world is going to be judged with fire. Nadab and Abihu, they sinned with fire, they died by fire. They might could have made the argument and said, you know what? You know, we're a privileged class. We're sons of Aaron. We're, we're priests. We, we, ha we have the, the privilege that no other in Israel have. We can minister to the holy things. We can go into the tabernacle, into the holy place, and we can partake of the sacred uh, uh, sacrifices, and that's a big deal. Maybe they began to think that they had this privilege that they could get away with doing something not in God's commandment. They were probably involved in an earlier thing that happened where God called 70 of the elders of Israel and they actually went partway up the mountain and they enjoyed a fellowship feast like the peace offerings there in the very presence of God. But yet, their status did not insulate them from playing with fire and getting burned by the scourging fire. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter if we're pastor, elder, teacher, been to church 75 years. None of that matters. If we play with fire, if we dishonor God, we're going to get burned up. Fancy priestly attire and a holy position wasn't enough to save them. Now, like I mentioned before, we see the same three types of fire at play in the New Testament with John the Baptist that we also have seen here in the tragic story of Nadab and Abihu. Let's look in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. 
And this is John the Baptist. Remember, he's the great, the last great Old Testament-like prophet who's doing the very New Testament-y thing of pointing to Jesus Christ. And John has a warning. He says, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Even now, John says, the unfruitful trees are being cut down. Even now, the scourging fire of God is ready to devour those who have not repented of their sins and turned to Jesus. Even now, it is happening. And John said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me. Of course, he was talking about Jesus. He said, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism by fire. A lot of commentators try to wrestle. Well, what was he talking about when he said the Holy Spirit and fire? Well, did he mean fire in a good way or in a bad way? Well, actually, here there's both. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that we become indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he first of all said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to the believers, he said, you are the light of the world. And what does it take to make an oil lamp emit light? This was before you had flashlights, so you required a flame, a fire that would set fire to that oil with a wick. And that oil provided the power, and that wick sucked up the oil, and there was a fire, and it provided light. That's how we work, church. The Holy Spirit is the fuel that fills us up, but we're going to be filled with the fire of the Spirit. And let me tell you something about the fire of the Spirit. It does not like a lot of the stuff that you are condoning. You will fear, you will feel like holding your hand over a flame is going to burn you. It will. We call that burn. The church word for that is called conviction. Have any of y'all ever been convicted of anything? It's kind of like being burned. It's, you're trying to touch this and the stove is hot and your spiritual sense is, ow, Lord, what is it? Well, I'm going to do that again. Ow, why does that keep burning? Ow. I'm going to touch it again. And the Lord is trying to drill this point home. He says, y'all, don't. The Spirit 
is trying to form us into the righteousness of God and he will not tolerate the impurities. He does not like the gross. He does not like the contaminants. He does not like the things that's not his image. He doesn't like the lying. He doesn't like the cheating. He doesn't like the gossiping. He doesn't like the fornication. He doesn't like anything that goes against His commandments. And He will convict you of it. And He will lay it on your heart. And you will feel like there is a rope tied around your neck. Why? Because you're not in compliance with the Word of God. And if you are His child, He will discipline you. And let me tell you, God is a good discipliner. He will wear your family out, in other words. Why? Because He's mean? Because He's a tyrant? No. Because He loves you. He's sick and tired of seeing you put your hand on the stove. He's going to, as the old folks say, learn you a lesson. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit but then he goes on to say his winnowing fork is in his hand and, and, and what that was about was when you had gathered wheat you had a lot of uh, chaff and straw and junk like that you had to separate out so what you do is you take a pitchfork you throw it up in the air and the wind coming through would, would carry away the lighter chaff and blow it off and then you would be left with the grain eventually what would you do with all that leftover straw You'd burn it. That was its destination. The wheat and the chaff are going to be separated. The sheep and the goats will be divided apart. The Bible says that God knows who His are. He knows you. You can come to church every time these doors are open. You can be the holiest looking critter in this bunch. You could throw a dollar in the offering plate every Sunday. You could coach your Bible around and make people believe that you actually read it. You can fool everybody, but God is not fooled. <coughs> and God is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And God is going to separate, if you will let Him, those habits, tendencies, and desires that do not belong and do not fit in you. He is trying to sanctify you, and He is trying to winnow you, and He is trying to make you clean. But if we have none of it, well, let me just tell y'all, the fire... Is coming. One way or the other. Remember the sanctifying fire that came out of the of, from God's presence and, and burned up the sacrifice? Y'all, there's some things in your life that God wants to set fire to. Romans 12 and 1 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul said, throw yourself on the altar. Except this is not going to kill you, but it's going to burn some stuff away. Make your are a living sacrifice. 
The sacrifices, remember, the burnt offerings were wholly offered to God. They were all burned up. God wants us to be all burned up in His zeal. God wants us to be all burned up in His love. God wants us to count every thrill, every pleasure, every thing in this world that people covet and hoard and kill and steal for. God wants us to say, burn it all. Get rid of it. Because the Bible says there's going to be a fire test come the end. Our invitation is a fire warning. Scripture says every each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Is it straw? Is it wood? Or is it something that's going to stand the fire? Our works are going to go through a fire test. I can tell you all a little bit about a fire test from almost one in chemistry class. And that is, that when you take something and you burn it in a Bunsen burner. Different chemicals will give a different sort of flame. I think sodium burns yellow. Other chemicals will burn blue or green. I think copper gives a greenish glow. And scientists have this fancy instrument called a spectrograph that they can look at the emission of light from the thing that's burning and they can tell you, oh, it's composed of this and this and this and this. Well, God has got a spectrograph and He's going to shine it on our works and when it gets lit up, what doesn't burn away, we'll see what it is. Church, please don't be the chaff that gets burned up. Please don't be the tree that bears no fruit that gets pulled up and cast into the fire. As we have our time of invitation, Lord might be dealing with you and say, well, maybe I'm having to play in the fire. Maybe I have been doing some things that I ought not to do that I should, I should throw up on the altar and say, Lord, this is not worthy. Burn it up. Maybe I need to recommit my life. Or if you haven't, confess Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. You're nothing but a walking sack of kindling wood. Fire is coming. Are we going to be able to stand the test? Only if we have put our trust and confidence in God. This is an invitation. Respond as God has laid on your heart as we sing.